Welcome to I'm Fine, You, brought to you by Maybelline New York, where we are normalizing the conversation around anxiety, depression, and mental health. Now here's your host, Chrissy Rutherford. Hello and welcome to I'm Fine, You, presented by Maybelline New York. Maybelline's Brave Together initiative is dedicated to breaking the stigma around anxiety and depression while addressing challenges and providing resources to those in need. Hi, I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and on this podcast, we're channeling this mission into real-life conversations to help normalize the mental health conversation and provide tangible resources and guidance for anyone who needs a mental health boost. To provide mental health resources, Maybelline New York will make a monetary donation to mental health organizations in conjunction with each episode. Today, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Teffi Pessoa, aka TikTok's BFF. Teffi is a content creator, host, commentator, and so much more. And she joins me now to talk all about her journey with anxiety, depression, and becoming the person she always wanted to be. Welcome, Teffy, my cancer queen. It's me. I'm so happy to be here. I can't believe I forgot that you were a Pisces. How could you ever forget? I know, but I love we it. We're water sign sisters. We're sign sisters, and you're my Pisces princess. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's get into it today. We're going to talk about mental health. But, you know, one of the things that I love about your content, aside from the fact that you're extremely hilarious, is how you're able to be so confident and inspire confidence in others. But I know that you've spoken about you haven't always been this way. And so tell us a little bit about your journey of self-discovery and becoming the person you had envisioned yourself to be. I think it's a complicated thing being a teenager. (laughs) It's hell on earth, but I'm starting to write a book. It's not a memoir because I'm 32 years old. I'm not that obnoxious. (laughs) You can have a memoir at any age. No, I feel like the good parts haven't even started, you know? Fair. That's fair. But I'm feeling like I'm only starting to get to know Teffy, the content creator and the person who's like more internet facing. I'm only starting to get to know her. But within my internal world, I've been trying to get to know her my whole life. So when I'm writing this book, I kind of have to tap into times in my life where this is a mental health podcast. And I'm just going to be honest, I have not been mentally well (laughs) for the majority of my life. But I think... When you're younger, you just think something is wrong. Like something, mm-hmm. I remember thinking all the time, you know, like, I don't think I'm like them. And I was curious as to why when I first sat down, I started talking about when I was like 10 or 11. And I think when I was like 10 or 11, I started to recognize that I had to choose between being social or doing well at school because I wasn't able to grasp concepts as like quickly as like other kids. And I remember being so confused. I feel like, um, you know, when at the end of the year in social media, you have not a puzzle, but it's like a, you have to find words within a bunch of letters. I forget what that's called. Yeah. And they're like, oh, the first three words are, that you find are like what your year is going to be like or whatever. But yeah. I remember everything that I was reading or trying to learn looked like that in my mind. So right. productivity and being praised, like validation was so important to me at a young age that that's when I really started feeling very left out. And I had to try really, really hard. Like that's the first time that I started feeling like sadness in my life, I think like 10 or 11. And not being able to connect with kids like the way that I wanted to. And I always could make people laugh, 
but I didn't know why I couldn't find like that happiness. Like when kids showed up and they looked like they were on the cover of like a Disney show and they were so Mm -hmm. happy and full of light. I didn't have that thing that they had. And as a teenager, I had extreme, like really, really, really low lows. And the only highs that I found were like within control or like constant praise. So obviously when you're a young kid like that, you're looking for validation all the time. I was manipulated a lot. I was disappointed a lot. I mean, like a nice girl who's looking to be told all the time that she's like so special. And I completely resigned from any kind of social life. I was in a relationship that like he really wanted me to be as isolated as possible. And I thought it's because he wanted me to study. But in hindsight, he didn't want me to ask my friends if they had had sex with him. (laughs) He was scared that would come up in convo. And it worked for a while, you know. It was when I was in college because there's a structure when it comes to school, right? And when you have a relationship, there's like a structure there. And I respond really well to like structure because within structure, there's a productivity that doesn't allow you to tap into your feelings because you're busy, right? To this day, I'm still addicted to productivity, right? And when I was in college, that freedom of creating my own schedule I was not ready for that. Like I could not handle that. And I was faced with myself. And that's the scariest thing when you're battling anything internal to be able to face yourself and recognize that like you are not okay. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I had an eating disorder for the majority of my life because of my obsession with control. A lot of people think it has to do with like a fat phobia or like obsession with thinness. It's about reaching goals for me. And people praise you in the society when you achieve a certain thinness. And we grew up in a time where, do you remember Nicole Richie running on the beach? How people were talking about how skinny she was? Oh, yes, of course. You could see her sternum. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember people talking about how ugly she was in mainstream media, but then you get online and people were obsessed with her. She was everywhere. It was like this conflicting thing. And then I was Latin, so I wanted to be like full figured and curvy, but then I was also American. Right. So you wanted to be super thin. Super thin. So I'm like, how can I, one, get big boobs? Surprise, it never happened. I'm still waiting. (laughs) And how can I also be like a double zero when the good Lord didn't make me that way, right? So when I was able to face, I am not in control of my body anymore. I had gained so much weight and lost so much weight that my metabolism was insane and my hormones were insane. I couldn't get a handle on my thoughts. So one day my mom came home and I was like, my mom travels to Colombia like every five weeks for work. She's not abandoning (laughs) abandoning us. She's like going for work. And I remember saying like, I know that you leave for Colombia tomorrow, but if you leave, I'm scared I'm going to hurt myself. Like I'm scaring myself. And never in my life, I've been sad, but never in my life had I ever been like, I don't think I've ever talked about this, that I was like, if you leave, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that I'm scared I'm going to regret. You know, and my mom, Scorpio Colombian, she looked at me, didn't change her face. She goes, okay, I'll get you a flight. And she was like, okay, she got me a flight. I went with her to Colombia and we went to go see a center called, uh, in Spanish is Equilibrio, but it's like um, Equilibrium, Equilibrium, Mm -hmm. whatever. Okay. Balance. Equilibrium. (laughs) Equilibrium. Yes. And it was, it's a, it was a center for people who suffer from eating disorders, but we also had girls who it's like pain management. A lot of girls who didn't know how to express the pain that we're in and had chosen other outlets, you know what I mean? 
And mm-hmm. it ranged from like girls who were 11 to 42 years old. And that's the first time during that inpatient program. It's the happiest time of my life. People never want to go to rehab. I'm like, you don't want to go back to kindergarten? Finger painting? Are you joking? You sing Sound of Music songs while you cut a tomato with a group. It's incredible stuff. I would go back right now. It sounds like you went to a very nice place. It was amazing. It was amazing because I went there also to get better. There were a lot of girls who I think were really upset that they were there because control is very addicting. They were withdrawing from control. We were cooking our food. We were learning about nutrition. We were sitting down and eating together as a group. We were getting weighed together as a group every day. And some people were so mad. When I tell you I was literally spinning on a mountaintop, (laughs) I was like, this is the best ever. And nobody knew me because I've only gone to Columbia to see my family and my cousins were in college. And I was staying with my uncle and my aunt who thought I was the most precious thing in the entire world. I was like living life. And I was taking classes at the local college and I was meeting cool people that I knew I was never going to see again. It was incredible. It was amazing. Why'd you come back? So, but that was the, I know, but that was the first time in that therapy. Cause you also have one-on-one where somebody looked at me and was like, it sounds like you have depression. And I was like, I'm not depressed. Because I come from a Latin household, so being depressed is not being grateful. And I come from a house that's also pro-therapy. I've never not been in therapy, right? I think this is the longest period of my life I haven't been in therapy because sometimes it's like dating. I think when it comes to somebody telling you to your face, like, this sounds like what you have, and a light goes off in your head, that moment is like, you have to be in a position where, okay, I said I wanted to get better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And immediately I told my family, immediately. I mean, you know me. I can't hold a secret. I'm like that TikTok where it's like, somebody broke into Tom's house. Like that is me 100%. Like I saw you at dinner and you're like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm dating someone. (laughs) Yep. Yep. No one's ever got to like pry you for information. Absolutely not. I'm wide open all the time. Um, But I remember I called my mom and she was like, that makes a lot of sense. And she was like, you should look into medication. Because I feel like when you have an eating disorder, right, and when you are in recovery, and then people talk to you about depression, right, and natural ways to do that, it would not work for me because it taps into, like, my want for restriction. Avoid gluten, and my mind says carbs, you know? Right. And, like, Mm -hmm. you have a fear of, like, food. Also, when it comes to, like, sobriety, I have cut drinking down a lot, but I realized through cutting out drinking, I was triggering that like want in, in restriction. I was restricting something mm-hmm. and I liked it. You know what I mean? It's comfortable. Everything that right. you do as a, as a kid, like during that like pubescent age, becomes like your favorite sweater. You know what I mean? Creature comforts. Exactly. That like when it comes to like restriction and dieting and like excessive working out, when I tell you that is my home base, I've been working out since I was 11, you know, while I was in sports. That kind of idea of like extremism, when people are like, you're Mm -hmm. such an extremist, it's your Leo moon. I'm like, no, 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 it's my, (laughs) thank you. But it's also my eating disorder. (laughs) So my mom was like, you should look into medication because she knew that I was going to try to do it the yogi way. And it just didn't Mm -hmm. work for me. And some people, it works incredibly for them. Amazing. They sprinkle a little salt in their water. You know, they eat some lettuce and they have their, I just don't have access to that mentally. And also in Brooklyn, like I'm not going to, sorry, 
I'm ordering, <laughs> I'm ordering the seamless. I'm getting the turkey wrap. You know what I mean? Of course. Yes. So I've been medicated now for so many years. I did go off medication for one year though, because I think everybody who suffers from depression gets cocky like for one year. Right. When I was like, like, I don't need I can, anymore. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like my mom, when she was going through her divorce from my dad, I remember she told me she was taking a little something and then like she felt better and she went on her way. And in my mind, I was like, I feel so much better, you know, so I don't think I need this anymore. That was like the worst period of my life. I was like 27. And you know the meme of like Kim Kardashian with the gray blanket? She's like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was me in the bed. Yeah. For so long. And people are like, you should get up. You should take a shower. You should drink some water. You should go for a run. I'm like, I haven't brushed my teeth in three days. You think I'm going to go for a run? Are you out of your mind? My nose looks like a strawberry. I'm going to tackle the blackheads first. I haven't done my skincare. <laughs> You're like baby steps, yeah. please. Baby steps. I'm going to buy a toner and then, <laughs> and then I'm going to see about the shower. But when it came to that year, that's when I started to recognize what sadness feels like. And that's something that I did in the rehab when I was talking about anxiety because wanting control is like an anxious reflex. You know, like when I picture people who are rock climbing. Yeah. I've only rock climbed the birthday party climbs, you know? (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. I've excelled at that rock climbing, but I have yet to climb an actual rock. At the rehab facility, they started to, because it's an anxious response, right? To like want control. It's like feeling Mm -hmm. out of control, you know, makes you nervous and desperate, right? Yeah. It's the root of a lot of anxiety for me. Definitely mine. Feeling out of control. Oh my God. Control. If they put that in a vial, I'm telling you, I'd be on the street in a second. Like, <laughs> like I'm telling, that is my go-to. She made us recognize what feelings felt like physically. I think that's why I love meditation so much too now. But she was like, okay, feel angry. Can you tap into anger? And I was like, holy shit, I'm really angry. And she's like, what does that feel like? And I was like, it just feels like anger. And she's like, no, no, no. Like when you start to feel angry... Where do you feel it? And I'm like, immediately in my lower jaw, like right here, like I start to get tight here, like immediately. And then I feel it hot in my tongue, like starting to like physically stamp that. Mm. So when I was off the medication for a year, I started to recognize that like sadness, I felt it in my eyes first. You know, when you're like, you've had one wine for me, one wine is like a keg stand at this age. Yeah. That's a lot. Yes. Yes. That's a lot. Like a Pinot Grigio. It's Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) crazy. (laughs) So it's like when you feel tipsy, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like a, I I started to feel this like sadness in my eyes and it felt like a tipsiness, like it was filling Mm -hmm. up. That's when I know like something is off. Like I'm not being able to like, is it my medication? Is it because I drank? Is it like alcohol, you know, sucks. Terrible. I used to have a time. I used to be roaring twenties, like literally like a flapper girl. I was, I was the party girl. And now- what happened to her? <laughs> you know, who was that person on the front row of Fashion Week who was knitting? Somebody was knitting at the front row of that. a Fashion Week show. I love that for them. Right? It was amazing. Because fashion shows give me anxiety. <laughs> they weren't even looking up. They're like, nice. Like, we were in their living room. <laughs> like, nice stuff. But I saw that and I was like, that's literally what I am like before. And like, if you take like two years, if you go into the... DeLorean at 88 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. I am bad girls club drinking. <laughs> I was like, 30 is amazing. Everybody said 30 was going to be. No, no. And then 
31 for me, my body was like, you're a jokester. Mm. You thought that you were so funny. Guess what? No matter what now, you're waking up at 7 a.m. Try to sleep till 7.30, <laughs> you know? But I also look back at photos, though, from the time when I was, like, partying super heavily and, like, still trying to, like, stay on track with my medication and be an active girl and sell at work. And my face is so bloated. Mm. And I'm like, oh, it's from the alcohol. My mom's like, no, you were crying all the time. I was like, I was. I was. I'd be in yoga class. Would do like a hip opener and I'd be like, oh, my. Mm, yeah, the hips. The, you know. Uh, I, the body I, keeps re- the score. L- listen, I was on TikTok on 2020. That book sold out. <laughs> Hotcakes. It's a great book. I've only opened the first page. You know when you wait a while to see a movie? Because you're like, I mm-hmm. cannot emotionally invest in this right now. Yes. <laughs> like, no, totally. It's a very emotionally intense book. It took me over a year to read it because you have to take breaks. It's a lot, but you learn so, so much. And I think especially for you know people who have experienced trauma in their lives, really great. Also, if you have generational trauma mm-hmm. in your family, you will learn so much. It's incredible to me that like I'm just like recently learning what trauma means because for us, I don't know about you, but like until recently- Maybe it's like being Latina, you know, it's the idea of like, so my family came over on a plane, like they lived in New York for a while, but being in Miami, like you're really around people, like there's a reason there's a lot of Venezuelan, Cuban and Haitian people, right? Right. And you hear stories about things that people have overcome and have Mm -hmm. to live with every day. And then knowing that where they come from They're like surgeons, doctors, therapists, and now they're like literally starting over in order to eat food. Like, and that idea of like trauma. So when people tell me like, do you have any trauma? In my mind, I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. And then recently I was reading something. I saw a TikTok. I was reading something and I, because I do that so often now with my eyes. Mm -hmm. And they said like trauma is something that caused you immense stress and that you absorbed and that you had to kind of scab over, you know? And that to me is like, I've unfortunately dated a lot of men who have scared me, you know? And Mm -hmm. I've been in positions where I don't want anybody to ever be in. And that to me has like caused a lot of issues, but I would say, yeah, I have issues, but I would never say I've suffered trauma because I love my family. I love my house and I eat every day and like I close myself. I'm able to take care of myself. You know what I mean? So I was reading this book called like, it's not you or something. It didn't start with you. Yeah. That was the first trauma book I read. And I started reading that because I was seeing someone and I was trying to understand their generational trauma because I knew their family on both sides had suffered substance abuse and addiction on both ends, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that this person was responding to certain situations, in my mind, I was able to think like, okay, it's a safety thing. I don't think this person felt safe in their house, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like reading this and I was starting to think about, you know, it sounds so stupid, but the patriarchy, like machismo Mm -hmm. in Miami, And like what I said in the beginning, like being American and wanting to look like Olsen Mm -hmm. and then also wanting to be like Sofia Vergara. You can't do them. (laughs) Can't do it all. Remember in Greece when they're like, 
doing this to grow boobs. Oh my God. Like I was paid to do it. And I was like, come on, you know, like while I do like crunches, <laughs> mom's like, you're 13. I'm like, come on, you know? But I, I was like reading about this and like even talking to my mom sometimes, like sometimes when people ask me like, what does depression feel like to you? And I'm like that nobody likes me. I remember when I was a teenager, I would have like the worst attitude with my mom, but I didn't have any friends at my art school. I went to a creative school. I went for dance mm -hmm. and theater and I didn't have any friends. It was so small. I went to a public school and then my mom took me out. She thought I was smoking weed. I was. And I had like a GPA of like one, like nothing. Mm -hmm. And I went over to this art school and I was graduation speaker. I won the director's leadership award for Miami-Dade County. Like it really changed my life, but because I didn't have any friends. And then I got really upset about it. And to eat lunch with the math teacher was not ideal for me. Okay. Mr. Lombardo, I love you, but oh my God. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> you know, and then everybody else was going to parties. And then I had a boyfriend that didn't let me go to parties. So I couldn't do anything on the weekends. He went to parties. Of course he did. He said it was team bonding because he was on the basketball team. Mm. He was definitely bonding. Convenient. Very convenient. And then I'd go to school and nobody would fuck with me. And I was so annoyed by it. But it's because my boyfriend was hooking up with everybody. But I was so like doe-eyed. I couldn't like see it, whatever. It doesn't matter. And then my mom was so tired and my dad wanted custody. So it was like all this like custody stuff about like being a good parent or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my mom was always in a bad mood. So we were fighting all the time. And she would look at me sometimes. She'd be like, how do you have friends? You are so horrible. Like, how do you have friends? And when I was reading that book, it's all I could think about. It's like, how do you have friends? Yep. And of course, looking back, my mom didn't mean it like that. Of course. But I really did have a lot of feelings as a kid. And I was really angry all the time. Of course, in hindsight, my family did love me. But I would look around and I'm like, nobody's happy to see me. My brother's always pissed because he has to go to Kumon. I get it. The tutoring. Like, that sucks. Mm, Everybody else it. is nine. <laughs> He's like 16. <laughs> You know, it's like, you did great. Here's Candyland. He's like, what am I supposed to do with Candyland? You know, but I, oh my God. And then my sister was going to an art school and that was very competitive too. She was like visual arts. We were all really upset, but I was reading this book about like, it doesn't start with you or whatever. And I kept thinking about how I was supposed to be pretty and smile all the time when I was feeling mm -hmm. so much. And my boyfriend was having sex with everybody. So I think that's that within me at that point was like, how do I make myself more likable, you know? And it was like, okay, let's try thinness. And, you know, it's weird. It worked. <laughs> it worked for a while. <laughs> right. But then you get to that point where you actually, like, still don't like yourself. Yeah. You're keeping up with something. I understand people who are, like, you're not happy. You come to the point where, like, yeah, you have the things that you think you want and that are going to make you happy, that are going to cure your depression, but it's not working. You can't even enjoy the things in your life, like normal things, yeah. because you're obsessed with the sustainability of your disordered relationship with food. It was not natural for me to maintain that weight, and I knew it. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to see how long I could keep that up. And the only way that I could keep that up is if I lost more weight, because in case I gained weight, you know? So it was like so insane to me, but people loved it. And it was like a constant like race with me and like meeting like numbers. For someone who can't calculate the tip, I was obsessed with like counting numbers and stuff like that. And what's crazy is thinness maintained like my youth 
to some people. So mm-hmm. girls started to want to hang out with me because bouncers at clubs would let me in without IDing me. And that's like something that helped me. So it helped me maintain these friendships, right? Right. And everyone needs the girl that's going to help them get into the club. <laughs> I was the girl. I was the girl. You know, all of a sudden I was a girl from not wanting to fuck with me at all to like being the girl to help them get into these clubs. Right. But that came with a cost. You have to be fun, girl, you know, of course, at the table. So that means you have to ingest alcohol, which are calories. And I was in the club like freaking out. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? That's stressful. Staying up all night. You miss Pilates in the morning. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was not sustainable. You know, so what has inspired you to be so open about all of your issues on, you know, social media and not just sweep them under the rug or, you know, you could very well just be the funny girl and just stick to your pop culture takes. And why has it been important for you to actually bring this narrative to the forefront? I think in my life, I've always been like the go-to friend when things are going wrong. Mm -hmm. Of course you are. You're a cancer. Exactly. (laughs) As I breastfeed my friend, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) to my bosom. No, I've always been that friend, you know, and unfortunately it's attracted a lot of fair weather friends, people that only want to be around when things are going well, you know. But in my life and being so attached to pop culture, the reason I'm so open with it is because I know for a fact that everyone's going through this too. And when I went to rehab, like when you're there with 11-year-olds to like 42-year-olds, and you would never think these girls or these women would go through that, like, or have these experiences or whatever. And we had so much in common. And I grew up in a city and in a country that the majority of them had never gone to. They're like 14, 15, 16. Yeah. I was like 22. And I remember just feeling like so connected And then also growing up and having women around me being like, I feel sad. And I feel like when I got on social media, I already knew that nothing I was saying was new or I didn't think so. I didn't think it was new. And I have so much to work on for myself that there's nothing anybody online can say about me that I haven't thought about myself. So already, I think the only thing that's weird about being online is getting older online. Like the way that people talk to you or even I see videos for myself from like a year ago. And I'm like, who is that? I know. I saw that TikTok that you made. <laughs> that was crazy. Natural lashes. Do you remember I said it, my lashes look like when children draw on shark teeth? It was like so bad. The, so bad. You look the same. I look the same, but there's something different about me. And I, even from the way I was talking in that video, like there's something right. younger you're about confident. me. You're more confident. You've like come into yourself more. I think that's very apparent. Yeah. Also, I think I didn't know what I know now. That's something that you have to accept. Right now I'm going through something like I'm losing so many friends, but it's like a haircut. It's like split ends. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. not like friends that have been like incredible to me, but they are friends that I've had forever. And I think what's hard about when you're depressed and you think like nobody likes you And when you are obsessed with control, that the idea of losing friends, even bad ones, is like detrimental. And unfortunately, (laughs) fortunately, unfortunately, coming out of this period is probably the best I've felt and the shittiest. Like when you're doing squats, that shit hurts. (laughs) Right. I'm trying so hard. 
I'm going for a run after this podcast. I'm going to try. But it's that idea of like that pain, you know, like all last week I didn't sleep at all. I was so upset about like all these things happening at the same time. And then having people walk around the earth, like knowing things about you, you know what I mean? Mm, I know. It's very detrimental to someone who is just like control, control, it's, control, manage, manage, manage. Hard. It's hard. and But then the acceptance of it and like letting go of it. It's almost like letting go of your disordered eating will be with you like forever, like your relationship with that. But that voice, Mm -hmm. like letting go of that voice in your mind, it was like that. It feels so freeing. Like medication feels like that for me. Like I remember the moment I felt the medication working. It took like three weeks. I remember where I was. I was driving. And I remember looking around being like, I feel manageable. It wasn't I feel happier. I feel like I can manage this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and when you lose poor friends with yourself, exactly. Unfortunately, eating well and exercise does help a lot. And that's annoying. (laughs) That's so annoying. Like when people say like, just do 20 minutes of a workout, you'll feel so much better. And I'm like, this is the worst thing in the world. 20 minutes later, I'm on that mountaintop again. Right. You know, so it's a combination of those things. And I think that's what's exhausting about being online, you know? Yeah. So what do you do when you are having like a down moment? Like when you feel like you're in a rut or you're just, you're going through something that like you're going through right now, like how do you really take care of yourself? So I'm a very avoidant person. Like I'm the kind of person that I figure the parking ticket will go away, you know, like like, very avoidant, you know? So for me, I'll try to distract myself as much as possible. The only thing that really gets me through it is talking to my friends about it and talking to my mom about it. But when I say friends, I mean, like, I talk to my cousin. I talk to, like, my two other girlfriends and my mom. Those are, like, my go-to people Mm -hmm. because I know that they won't judge me, but they won't make excuses for me. And that's important for me. But they'll also – something that's hard for me, too, is, like, with productivity is – and they tell me this all the time. Like, take a day off. No. <laughs> That's like the worst thing for you, no? <laughs> <laughs> no. And so it's hard for me. The idea of rest is weird to me because even with depression, it's working through it. <laughs> like right. going through it. Meditation is easy for me. Being proactive about it sometimes is not the answer. I understand that sometimes a good night's rest mm-hmm. is what you need. You need sleep. And you need a day like facing sunshine. That's the reason I got this apartment. I have big windows. And before I was in this apartment where I don't know if you can see that picture frame, but that was the amount of light that I was <laughs> like every day. I was like this, you know, just like a little square. Just trying um, to get a little sunlight on the eyelids. Exactly. <laughs> and I coming from Miami, you know, that's a that's a big important thing for me. But I need. When I, are you getting the house in Miami? Uh, I signed the lease <laughs> for an apartment, but I'm keeping this one. Obviously, I'm not letting go. You kidding me? I got an apartment in Miami too because I looked at my astrocartography. Okay, you got me. All right, I looked, and it's all New York and Miami. You know, <laughs> it's all, but closer to the Caribbean. So also Dubai and Brazil. But I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. Do. <laughs> You'll get there eventually. I'll get there eventually. But I really feel like those little things. Like when you're in a down moment, facing the sun, walking in a circle around your apartment, cleaning your apartment. 
I hate it. I hate cleaning. I hate, I hate cleaning. It, but it feels so good when it's done. Getting into clean sheets at the end of the like, oh my <sighs> god, get out of town. Doing a body scrub and shaving your legs, like people think that in order to get through like your bad days by being proactive. They think you have to like take a class, go for a walk outside, be seen by people, wash your hair. Right. No, babe, shave your legs. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, like those little things do like a lifting serum on your neck. And I have like a solo wave and just doing that. Oh my God. I love the solo wave. I love it. I don't like my tech neck. I see it, but it's what I do. You know, even little things that are like, you know how working out, I compare everything to working out because it's something that builds over time. Mm. Doing something like skincare wise that, you know, takes time, like a lash serum takes time. Wearing sunscreen helps your skin over time. Like those little things on a down day. Investing in your future. Literally. And of your anti-aging skin. Because I'm not going to be sad and look like a raisin. Absolutely not. You know? But I found this last, like the last week was really hard for me. That was probably one of the lowest lows I've had this year, if not the lowest point of my year last week. And I still kept working, but I was like, what brings me joy? And I was like, what brings Mm -hmm. me joy is ordering takeout, watching TV, Mm -hmm. lying on my couch and looking at tweets and I'm being on Pinterest. What about Marge? Oh, Margelina Jolie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's my baby girl. I literally wake up in the morning. She always sleeps right next to me, like face-wise. I've probably ingested more cat hair <laughs> than my vacuum. <laughs> just like I probably have a fur ball down my entire GI tract. <laughs> like just whatever. But I wake up and I literally look at her and I'm like, oh my God, I am so happy you're alive. Like having an animal, there are so many people that also I understand are depressed and don't have the capacity or a place to have an animal. But when you can have an animal, like that, it's life-changing to me. Do you like animals? Yeah, I have a cat. Yeah. Well, my it's my parents' cat. No, it's your cat. It's your baby. I, pick, I picked him out. Yeah. So. That's your sister. Yeah. He's a boy. He's That's your brother. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like my mom has two cats. She's like, say hello to your brothers. I'm like, hi, Paco. Hi, Pepe. <laughs> I know my dad, my dad refers to him as his son. So I want to talk about how obviously everyone refers to you as TikTok's BFF yeah, because crazy. watching your videos feels like, you know, being on FaceTime with your bestie. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to establish such a personal connection with your audience? And why is it so important for you to make them feel like they're part of the conversation with you? I don't know. I just feel like one, it's just who I am. Mm-hmm. I always tell people I was put on this earth and I felt like the world was a dinner party and I was the host, you know? (laughs) So this is like how I enter every room and it just comes naturally to me. Two though, I think the psychology of TikTok is weird or like social media, especially if you're doing videos. Yeah. Because I'm looking back at myself, you know? Right. So I guess in a way, I'm not talking to you like a friend. I'm talking to you the way I would talk to my inner child. Mm -hmm. Because I'm looking at me, you know? Yeah. And everything that I say is so intentional. I mean, not when I'm being sassy, (laughs) but like now, (laughs) you know, like not when I'm. Not when you're just letting her rip. Yeah. You know, but when I'm doing like series and stuff like that, like when I talk to about a point, it is so intentional. And a lot of it is because. There are things in my life that I wish 
Like sometimes my mom was like the willow tree in Pocahontas. Like enough, tell me what you mean. Like, okay, the mm-hmm. Riddler, like tell me what the, uh, please. Then for me sometimes, and I know that she didn't anticipate the internet. So the idea of like confidence for her and all that, like it developed differently for me because for her, it was like through different failures and opportunities and dating, like the internet changed the way that we see confidence, right? So that was kind of like my own growth because I was 15. Like I taught my brother, my sister how to log into Facebook, you know, like I was, we're Mm -hmm. the first generation to do that, right? Right. So for me, when I'm talking to people and I'm thinking, okay, like if I were 22, if I was 54, how can I validate that? Yeah. Like, how can I validate experiences that are very real? Yeah. But also not make excuses for you. Remember one time somebody asked me, I feel so ashamed. I just got a DUI. How do mm, I face I do the remember world? that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's nothing you can do. You already did it. You served your time. You served the fine. The only thing that you can do now is remember how shitty it feels so that you never do it again. And that's it. But to deny, you know, people I know that have had a DUI, you know, people that I know that have three, like the fact that you care so much already, you know, or sometimes people ask me, like, I'm in love with a married person. I'm always like, I'm going to talk to you like you're my best friend and you called me Mm -hmm. like I'm in love with this married guy. Girl, what are you doing? The man (laughs) will never be able to go to work without you thinking he's flirting with his coworker. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because of you. Because you. I'm trying to level with you all the time. You really get the craziest questions. I do. I know. Q&As. And I'm like, I'm like, girl, this is public. <laughs> also, obviously can't get enough of your pop culture deep dives. They're iconic where you break down hot topics like celebrity couples and scandals. How do you decide on what stories to focus on? I'm going through a hard time about that right now. Not because I'm ever going to stop. So I think sometimes it's like... So I always pick stories that are exciting to me, right? Mm -hmm. Stories that I love. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to talk about like Miranda and Blake Shelton. You know what I mean? Like, that's not like Mm. a a story to me. Like Gwen Stefani and Blake, you know, like I get it. You met on The Voice. Yeah. I'm always trying to talk about things that when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, you know? So right now I'm having a hard time because I waited too long and I have a girl that helps me. Her name's Olive. She's a little baby. She's 21. And she loves helping me with my pop culture research because she's like, I had no idea Michael Jackson had a sister. I'm like, I am going to (laughs) cry. Bless her heart. (laughs) What are you talking about? You know, but she loves it. So like I have a Jada and Tupac series that I'm sitting on that I want to do really bad. Right. And she's like, Teffy, I had no idea that Jada and Tupac, she writes me little notes on top of the PDF sometimes because mm-hmm. she fact checks for me. And she's like, I love when people have the utmost respect for each other, like these two. And like she writes me like a little blurb. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, that's cute. Like, so I love, I love that. I love Anne Hathaway and her scammer at fiance. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible stuff. I remember that one. I have Naomi Campbell and Tyra Banks feud. Oh. Sitting on it. T. I have Selena, Haley, and Justin. Oh yeah. I'm sitting on it. Gold. I have Mariah Carey and Luis Fonsi. Like, I have a lot, you know? So for me, it's like whenever it comes to a pop culture series, people can always tell when you don't want to talk about something, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So even if it's a pop culture story that is really long, like Amanda Vines was so long. It's like a 45,000 part series, but it's, (laughs) oh my. And people are like, Teffy, what happens next? I'm like, this happened in 2010. (laughs) 
but I'm gonna tell you anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> But for me, it's a, it's an important story. These are important stories that like shaped a lot of conversations that we have today. Like everything I'm doing is like intentional. I'm trying to talk about things in a way where we can kind of relax our shoulders and we're learning about the people around us. But it's, it's because I know the comment section is going right. to be me as well. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You touched upon getting hate on social media and obviously the hate on social media can be pretty out of control. How do you deal with it in your own life? And like, you know, you've been more responsive lately to calling out the negative comments. I think it's day to day. You know, sometimes I listen to old podcasts and I'm like, fuck them. And then other days I'm like, what if... Maybe I do look like a toucan. Like, <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Like, damn it. Do I look like the Geico Gecko? Like, that sucks. You know? <laughs> I think the worst part is, like, older women, like, middle-aged women are really mean online. And not all of them, but usually when I look at comments. Not all women. Hashtag not all women. Not all women. And that's the thing. Like, when somebody is a woman, like, they know what to say. You know, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, like f- for a woman to say like, "You are so hateful." Where I'm like, I'm hateful. Where? So it's not like calling me ugly. It's not like saying like making fun of my looks or something like that. It's like I remember this one lady. People sometimes comment. They're like, "You always talk about this hate, but you don't see the hate at the bottom of your TikTok comments." You can review them. Oh, so at the bottom. They say, accept a review, comment, and TikTok flags things that it feels is mean. <laughs> so, thank, and they are. Thank God for that. Or like you yeah. can, you can like um, filter words, right? So like you can filter the word mole. <laughs> I haven't. I should, but whatever. You know, so you can review those comments. And sometimes like you'll be like, if you're talking about spies or whatever, and you're like, oh, I filtered the word mole. Let me, you know, like whatever. Right. So I check them and... People don't see those comments, but I do. Mm -hmm. And this person said all this talk from somebody who can't keep a man. And I was so sad. I was like, I was like, because you want to come forward. You're like. As if that's your like responsibility. What? But also like you're realizing that this person is talking about past relationships that I have no idea about. And also how hard that was for me. I can very much keep a man. I'm just telling them they should want to be kept as well. Like, please Mm. do something, like get off my couch. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, I have a habit of dating people who they don't like filling out a W-4. And that's okay. (laughs) But not not anymore, you know? So like the the idea of like, I guess when it comes to some trolls, when it comes to talking about my looks and stuff like that, it's hard. But when people put in comments about my character or comments where I know they're fishing for me to defend myself, where it's like, you can't keep a man. Don't shame me. Don't shame me for being single or whatever. And I know once I make that video, it's just going to get more people to, of course, you're going to get a lot of people to defend you too, but you're going to get people liking those comments and chiming in and talking about your life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people on Reddit who talk about influencers. I had to delete my Reddit. I won't even go near that stuff. When I tell you I was using it to talk about aliens and time-space continuum and like (laughs) how many twins there are in the world, like cool stuff, you know? And I started seeing people talk about influencers and I saw people talking about me and I would respond. I'd be like, hi, this is Teffy. (laughs) Who do you think you are? 
what brand do you work with? Telling people that I'm impossible to work with. Who the fuck are you? What? And then I had to delete it because people were chiming in. And so it's like feeding this monster. It's insane. I think also, you know, the number one problem being that people think just because they follow you that they know everything about your life. And I actually just saw this brilliant TikTok that Jackie Aina made because someone made a rude comment to her about her being engaged for four years and how it was embarrassing. And she said, you have to remember, you don't know me. You just follow me. Ooh, you're a fan, not a friend. <laughs> and that that's it. That's it. Pisces women, what? Don't come for us. Do not go chasing we're, waterfalls. We're nice and sweet until you come for us. Literally. Or you stray off the itinerary. <laughs> it's also about like mental health too, like the boundary of like looking for those comments. I have just decided that if a video goes over 100,000 views, I'm not checking the comments anymore. I'm done with those Fair. comments. I'm not looking at the accepted review. You know how many people were like in my comments like, haha, I slept with your ex. Oh, God. And I'm like- First of all, no, you didn't. <laughs> but like, or if you did, amazing. But like, congrats. But I'm like, I looked at your profile and you're in Kansas. <laughs> so I don't think so. But like those things were mental health wise. If I know that I'm looking for validation and that's like a trigger for me and I need to be in control of conversations or in control of stuff, you have to accept it because part of the job, but you don't have to engage in it, you know? And that's the sucky part. Some days you're going to not give a fuck and some days you are. Either way, right. but on both days you should not look. I agree. So also I have to mention that you have been hosting a competition show on MTV's YouTube channel called Merch Masters. Quick, yeah. who is your favorite guest judge? <laughs> Chrissy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's right. Two episodes, babe. I was also on the show. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the show and what that experience has been like for you. Well, it was a great experience. It was my first time hosting a show and seeing one from a production POV. It's sick, you know? Mm -hmm. Two, I worked with the most incredible team. Three, anytime I get to wear an earwig is sick. You know, <laughs> and so remember good. when I was talking, I was like, sorry, Christine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was the best, you know? Um, and, I think MTV, for me, the way I remember MTV is like so much about like standom and fandom and the idea of like helping this person that you, it wasn't just like Twitter, you know what I mean? It was just like showing right. up, voting, like American Idol, like voting, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like being present in real life for the people that like you, like how many times have artists heard like you saved my life? That's so real. Like there's so many people who like really, really touched so many people. Like do you remember in TRL? with Eminem when people filled in six avenues and they were all wearing white tees. Oh, yes. And I was like, to Absolutely. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like people rocked with them so heavy. So I feel like Merch Masters is like tapping back into that MTV that I know Fandom. and love where every episode it's dedicated to an artist and what their concert merch would look like for their new era, which I love a new era. And it was so amazing to see people like make shit. Like, Oh my God, that was absolutely the coolest part. Like so blown away by the creativity of those kids. Installing a zipper. What? <laughs> like that was crazy. And uh, a girl that made the rug. No, no. With the gun. I mean, she's like, <laughs> she's like shaking. Was, the gun was bigger than her. She's like, nah. 
Like <laughs> it was so it was really cr- incredible. It was incredible. It was incredible. And at the end, like the judges get together and it's like people who like work within fashion and style and brand and brand development and branding and all that stuff. Like, I don't think it was like a vicious show either. It wasn't like a catty, ugly show. No. You know what I mean? It was no. so fun. And also like if you told 13 year old me that I would have an MTV show, she would shave her head. <laughs> she would not be able to fucking believe. She's like, do people bring up your mole? Like, that's what she would say. And I'd be like, oh yeah, God. dude, they do. She did it. She did it. She did it. And finally, what advice do you have for finding the ever elusive balance in life between work, mental health, personal life? The key to finding balance is to continue looking for it, even when you feel like you found it. Mm. Going back to like when I felt cocky enough to like get off my meds, you know? Yeah. I should have continued looking for things that made me happier not taking away things that were already making me happy, you know? Yeah. But I always tell people, don't let finding yourself get in the way of knowing yourself. Like who I am right now is worthy of everything good that future me is going to have too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I'm loading, sure. (laughs) But like, I'm still fine. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? You're a good girl. And I'm so excited to see what else you're going to do. And about this book, I feel like we got an exclusive. You're writing a book. I'm writing a book. I know. Congrats. Thank you so much for being here today, Teffy. Thank you. Uh, I love it when we get to talk. I forgot we were being recorded. Let's start (laughs) over. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Bye. big thank you to Teffi Pessoa for coming on the show today and speaking her truth. We're here to provide access to mental health resources and support to those who need it most. Make sure you're subscribed to I'm fine you. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and this has been I'm fine you presented by Maybelline, New York.